Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode 85, Gog and Magog Revisited. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello, welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast, the show that asks the question... No, no, I did it again. <laughs> Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast, the only show that reveals the secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. I'm Scott Mitchell here with... Zena, are you ready to swallow the red pill? She is here and we are ready. Yes. Glad to have you with us again, Zena. Thank you. So, um, you know... A year ago, almost a year ago exactly, um, we did a two-part series on Gog and Magog. Okay. And it, that battle. And uh, and since that time, I've seen a mystery revealed about Ezekiel 38 and 39 that I want to share. Ooh. Because I, I even had a question about something in there that I, in that episode, I wasn't sure how uh, that was going to work out concerning Israel. Because it's okay. all prophetic about Israel. Okay. And my good dear brother and friend, Ryan Peterson. He's an amazing man. He truly is a, an inspiration. And uh, he wrote, uh, in fact, uh, his Thursday night show, Thursday Night Theology, he does each week. Uh, I got to be a guest on his show last night for the first time. How exciting. Yeah. So it was his first guest he's ever had. And we had a great time answering questions and talking about things. But in his second book, The Final Nephilim, and if you haven't read his books, you are missing out on a tremendous treat. Uh, but one of the things he said in the second book, The Final Nephilim, was that many pastors... Theologians, bloggers, and laypersons alike have commented on what is commonly called the Gog-Magog War, an e event wherein a coalition of nations led by a mysterious figure named Gog will wage a war against Israel. These events are recorded in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. Gog Magog has proven to be one of the most challenging prophetic passages in all of the Bible, leading to dozens of theories about the identity of Gog. Today, everyone thinks it's Russia. You know, okay. Especially now because Ukraine and Russia war. Yeah. Uh, with many usually including an assortment of modern day political leaders. But what is not often discussed is Gog's direct connection to the end times as the seventh predecessor of the final Nephilim. And he goes on to talk about that, which is essentially the Antichrist. The final Nephilim is the Antichrist. Okay. And now Gog has a connection to him. So in this book, he lays out an entire section of that. And um, so I learned something that he revealed in that, which I want to share with you today. So thank you, Ryan. And so we'll go to Ezekiel 38, verse 1. Uh, and just to refresh our listeners on that passage, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog. The land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. So as we discussed before, Gog seems to be the name of the personage, okay. whoever he is. 
probably a, um, a spiritual entity, you know. Uh, and then the land is Magog. So Magog means land of Gog. So we don't know what nation or country that is. So the people that always want to say it's Russia may be right, but they yeah. may be way off, you know. I tend to think it's going to be more inclined to be Turkey or Syria because that seems to be the region of these settlers in the past. Okay. And God does kind of point to things from the past to the future. But regardless of who it is, here's what Ezekiel says to Gog. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth. And the hooks into the jaws sort of implies, that's the same thing that was said of Leviathan, the dragon. Yes. So it implies he's powered by the dragon. Okay. I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with buckler and shields, all of them handling swords, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet. And that's why Ryan referenced the coalition of nations. These are all these nations. Gomer and all his bands, the house of Tagarma of the north quarters. And those are the people that traditionally settled in northwestern Turkey, northeastern Turkey, uh, what we would call Turkey today. All the bands with thee and many people with thee. Uh, be thou prepared and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. So truly it's a coalition force, a coalition of nations. And when they combine together, apparently under the leadership of Gog, he says this, verse 8, After many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations and they shall dwell safely, all of them. So I don't expect you to remember what we talked about a year ago, but uh, my question was, today modern Israel is certainly a nation revived uh, from a time of not being a nation. Yeah. In 1948, they became a nation again. And there may very well be some things that uh, you could say were supernatural in its formation, again, as a people, as a nation. But I don't think by any stretch of the ima imagination we could say that they are brought forth dwelling safely, all of them. You know, Israel right now is surrounded by enemies. Yes. And countries and people that hate them. And uh, they have uh, checkpoints everywhere, you know, secure. They probably have some of the best security of any country out there because mm -hmm. they've been under attack so much. Yeah. Know? So how could it be conceivable that modern Israel dwells safely today? So that always puzzled me. I, I thought, and I think I probably made the statement back then on the first uh, episodes we did of this, that there must, there's going to be a, a major change that has to take place. For Israel to be able to say they dwell safely. Yes. You know, and, and so I was wondering, we don't know what that's going to be. But Ryan gave the answer when he wrote Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39 detail the two battles of Gog and Magog in reverse order. Really? Yeah. This is critical to properly understanding this prophecy. Ezekiel chapter 38 is a prophecy of the second Gog-Magog war. So I knew there were two. But I didn't know or never put together in my mind 
that in Ezekiel 38, you had two separate descriptions of the two battles. Okay. I tied them as one right after the other. Mm-hmm. The, the final Gog battle, uh, Gog Magog battle is in Revelation. And I'm going to read that right quick just so we can kind of make the point clear. And it is in uh, Revelation 20. And you might remember this because we've talked about these passages enough times, Zena, to know that after Jesus does come back and he puts down the Antichrist and the armies against God, there's an angel that grabs Satan and binds him with a chain. Yes. We kind of laugh about that because we want to see that happen, I do want to see it. (laughs) And he's going to be bound for a thousand years. And uh, so uh, just jumping right into the end of that thousand years, skipping all the good details, uh, Revelation 20 verse 7 says that when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And God's going to actually let him out for a purpose. And he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, Mm -hmm. to gather them together to battle the number as whom is as the sand of the sea. And we can come back and talk about the battle later, but we kind of discussed that at length back then. Now, so I always knew that this was a second battle, but I never put together in my mind that Ezekiel chapter 38 describes this one. And 39 describes the first one. Really? Because it seems out of order. But the Bible does not put things in order. You know, God wrote the Bible in such a way to hide the truth from Satan himself. Yes. And it takes the spirit to understand it. And Satan doesn't have God's spirit, you know, but you and I as believers do. So they're in reverse order. Well, now that makes perfect sense because he said um, at the end of the thousand years he's loosed and there's that battle, Gog and Magog. Well, back in Ezekiel 38, verse 8, after many days thou shalt be visited in the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword. Well, now that perfectly matches a description of Israel at the end of a thousand years. They haven't had war on the earth in that time. So after many days in the latter years, land brought back from the sword, dwelling safely, all of them. And then he says, all thy bands and many people with thee would seem to match the end of times. So let's see that. We just read about Satan being bound with a chain. We read about, um, well, we talked about it. We didn't read it. But that at the end of that time, he's going to be loose for a little season. And he gathers that coalition again, Gog and Magog. Mm -hmm. Now let's back up and go through the thousand years. Let's talk about that time. All right. Can we find in scripture characteristics of that thousand year time that will indicate that Israel will live safely without walls and things like that? So we go to the book of Isaiah chapter two. And we start reading in verse one. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And so he's talking about when the Lord comes back, he's going to reign from Jerusalem. He's going to establish the throne. Yes. And he's going to rule in righteousness. Well, what would you expect in a government with God here on the earth? Would there be people fighting constantly? No, not at all. (laughs) Not at all, right? So he says, verse 3, many people shall go and say, uh, and when he says many people, means all the Gentile nations are going to go and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, Jerusalem, and to the house of the God of Jacob, 
and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So Christ himself reigning on a throne in Jerusalem, giving forth the law that all the nations are going to have to follow, I guarantee he's not going to let them go fight. Right? Yeah. Verse 4, And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, which is an old-fashioned way of saying a plow. So imagine taking a sword and beating it so you can till the ground. You know? And swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. you got to reach up and cut those oranges off the tree. Right. right? <laughs> And nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Good. So finally, you know, war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing, right? (laughs) It's going to finally come to pass. Yeah. So Christ will be reigning. Justice will be measured out swiftly. There'll be righteousness. Nations won't go to war. In fact, if there are any implements of war, they're going to turn them into agricultural tools. Yes. Right? So... You can see Israel living a thousand years in peace. Who would need to build a wall? Right. Who, 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 would, who would not be living safely? No threat of attack. Yeah. You know, the Lord's there to defend you. So it matches perfectly. So when we talk about Revelation 20, verse 7, Satan is loosed out of his prison and he gathers them all together to do battle. Well, now we can see it would be at the end of the thousand years. Yes. It would make perfect sense. So if we go back to Ezekiel chapter 38... Let's see if the rest of the chapter bears out what Ryan promised there. Okay. So we'll start in verse 10. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that at that time, and if we equate this now in our minds to the end of the thousand years, after the devil's loosed out of the prison for, for a time, it shall come to pass that at that time shall things come into thy mind, God, and thou shalt think an evil thought. So it tells me that Satan himself is, is the spirit behind Gog, or he is Gog, or perhaps uh, there's, a, there's an entity, and it's probably Apollyon. Remember from the Yeah, yeah. it's a name that I like. Yeah, unfortunately, Apollyon uh, is that entity that the Satan empowers to do these things. Yes. But either way. Uh, so in other words, it could be that after Satan's loose from the bottomless pit, that Apollyon is reactivated. To he go. was the one that was in Judah, correct? Judah? I, I think so. Judas. Okay. Yeah, I, I believe you're right. So things will come into thy mind and thou shalt think an evil thought and thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. Not modern Israel, not by not even America. For yeah. that matter. I will go up to them that are at rest that dwell safely, all of them. Dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. Well, now it makes perfect sense. If it's at the end of a thousand years, that's why they're sitting ducks. Yeah. Right? And what are they going to do? To take a spoil, to take a prey. Spoil is uh, is an old word that we use differently now. Like, you're going to spoil that child. You know, you're giving yeah. too much candy. Or that food is spoiled. It's spoiled. Don't mm-hmm. eat it. It's rotten. Mm-hmm. Spoil used to mean it was like if you were a pirate and you attacked a ship and you stole all their goods. That was the spoil. Okay. So when you take the spoil, you it's the it's the rewards of victory. Okay. Right? So to take a spoil, to take a prey. In other words, his mi- mind is, I'm going to go attack them and take all their wealth because they got wealth. Yeah. The nations are going to bring their wealth to Israel because out of the Jerusalem goes forth the law. Mm-hmm. So now it's making sense. They're honoring God. They're giving their tithes and offerings. Uh, so he says, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited. 
and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. And I think of the desolate places, too. You know, it, it's probably true that before 1948, the land of Israel that we call modern Israel today, uh, although it was occupied by the people we would call Palestinians, mm-hmm. okay, uh, it may not have been as fruitful as it is now. And Israel today is very good at modern agricultural practices and irrigation and things like that. In fact, they supply a lot of the fruit and produce to Europe just from Israel. Really? Yeah, I don't know if you knew that or not. I did not so know that. For us, it's like California, Mexico, and, and Chile. Yeah. But for Europe, you know, which is much farther away, mm-hmm. it's Israel. Okay. And other parts of the Mediterranean. So uh, their ability to turn the maybe desert places into very fruitful places is certainly a credit to their ingenuity. But um, the desolate places that are now inhabited, I'm not so sure that would describe it now. But after the seven years of tribulation, the whole world is going to be a desolation. Yeah. Practically. I mean, and so Israel, no exception, because that's where the Antichrist is going to be headquartered. So uh, he's going to wreak havoc to the land. And therefore, after a thousand years of beating swords into plowshares and pruning and tilling and everything else, I would imagine the entire Saudi Arabian peninsula is going to be like a fruitful garden. Yes. You know, with the Lord there. So he's saying he's coming to take a spoil from the desolate places that are now inhabited. Well, that seems to match the end of the thousand years. And upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. And while there are many Jews that live in Israel right now, they're not all there. Jews live in every nation under heaven. Right? Yes. So, uh, but at that time, they're all going to dwell in Israel because it's going to be bigger and mm-hmm. it's going to be the Lord there and they're his people. He's there, or they are his people. Uh, and then he says, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish, which would, we would basically technically say are the neighbors of Israel. Mm-hmm. Sheba might have something to do with um, Saudi Arabia Dedan might have something to do with modern Yemen, but we can't pinpoint them. Okay. And the merchants of Tarshish, Tarshish has always been a question of who they are in the Bible. They're mentioned several times. A lot of people think it's uh, England. Some people think it might be the um, Cyprus, you know, but they're seafaring people and they're merchants, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it says, with all the young lions thereof shall say unto thee, art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? So when you think about what, what are they after, the silver, the gold, the cattle, the goods, um, you know, who goes to war over silver, gold, and cattle right now? Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. 
help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. I feel like us. I mean, do we really? Like, would the United States attack a nation because they have wealth? Well, we have more wealth than most of the other yeah. nations, you know. Are we going to go to war because we want their cows and their pigs? No. No, right? So it's usually something else. It's political and mm-hmm. it's deceptive and it's the CIA coups and it's whatever. It's satanic. But it's usually not this. But this guy's aim is to get silver, gold, cattle, and goods and to take a great spoil. Yeah. So it's like he's robbing them. He wants. He's like a pirate, you know. So it must be that they're a very wealthy nation at that time amongst the other nations. and. Who would be wealthier than Israel at the end of the thousand-year reign, right? No because one. they're God's blessed people. Yeah. So, now, if we go to Hebrews chapter 4, to try to put some sense of <laughs> point to, the, to all this, um, <clears throat> verse 1, um, the Hebrew author writes about Israel seeking to go into God's rest, R-E-S-T, as in Where like, he sleeps at. Right. Well, and, and it's it's really, it's like for them to have rest. Okay. So when you think about it, like God created the earth in six days and on the seventh day he rested, right? Well, he's God. He doesn't need sleep. He doesn't need rest. Yeah. But he did rest. So why would he do that? Well, it was a picture because in six days God created heaven and earth. On the seventh day he rested. The seventh day is the Sabbath, mm-hmm. this day of rest. Which people so, typically think is Sunday. Yeah, and and you know they, there's arguments of is it Friday, is it Saturday, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter. It means seven. So whichever actual day it was, we'd have to know which the first day was. Yes. To get it right, but it's a picture of the thousand year reign of Christ. So, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Second mm-hmm. Peter chapter three. So if uh, the day of the Lord was six days, he um, he created heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested a picture of 6,000 years of human history that would go forth from there, from Adam to now, and then the 7,000-year period would be the Sabbath of the Lord, his rest. Yes. The time of the restitution. So that's what he's saying here in verse four, chapter 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. He's talking about those who didn't believe. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I've sworn in my wrath that they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place on the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest." Seeing therefore there remain that some must enter in, on and on. So he's talking about the rest. Well, what is the rest of God? It's the thousand-year reign of Christ. Yes. When Israel will be at rest. The world will be at rest. Okay? That rest comes after wrath. 
So first God pours his wrath out yes. when he comes back, and then he restores Israel, and the land has rest. Let's go to Joel chapter 2. It's definitely a need rest after the wrath. <laughs> you better believe it, yeah. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. Yeah, if it's going to... If the earth is going to be turned upside down and will reel to and fro like a drunkard, yeah, can you imagine what would happen geographically? Oh my on goodness, the there's going to be earthquakes everywhere, tsunamis. Yeah, exactly. I can't get to Joel here. Why am I having trouble with it? It's the devil. <laughs> Not Hosea. today, Satan. 13. There it is. Okay. This Bible, I had to get another one uh, because the one I was using is not in print anymore. And I use it on my Sunday uh, morning messages mm -hmm. and I'll read out page numbers. And so people were asking me, where are you going to get this Bible? We're going to get this Bible. And I went and searched for it and they don't sell it anymore. It's <gasps> out of print. So I get another one. This one, by the way, is a Tyndall uh, Bible, Tyndall print, but it's King James. And uh, so if you want to know the page number, I don't usually do that on the podcast. It's page 1308. But we'll read verse 1, <clears throat> Joel 2, 1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. So now we're talking about the beginning. Before he comes back in the thousand years mm -hmm. of rest and peace, there's this. A day of darkness and gloominess a day of clouds and of thick darkness as the morning spread upon the mountains. A great people and a strong, there hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it even to the years of many generations. A fire devoureth before them and behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. So when he said in Ezekiel 38 that Gog wants to come in and take a spoil from the land that's brought back from the desolation. This is the desolation. God has an army of demoniac creatures, satanic angelic creatures that don't think they're serving God, but God's allowing them and controlling them. Yeah. And it says the appearance of them is as the appearance of horses. And as horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap. Like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble. As a strong people set in battle array, before their face the people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather blackness, and that seems to imply that they're going to be burnt. You know, the, the, yeah. the, the victims are going to be burnt. Uh, they shall run like mighty men, giants, maybe, Nephilim. Okay. They shall climb the wall like men of war. They shall march everyone on his way. They shall not break their ranks. If you see like military goose steppers, you know, they don't ever miss no, a step. No, they don't right? miss a step at all. Yeah, neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk everyone in his path. And when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. So they're supernatural. They're not humans. They shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb up upon the houses. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief. The, and notice there's walls here. So this is before the thousand years. Yes. The earth shall quake before them. The heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army. In other words, they may not think they're serving God, but he's the one saying, Go, destroy the planet, because he's pouring his wrath out. For his camp is very great, for he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? So he's going to have satanic 
armies. Yeah. Destroying the earth. Right. And it's probably when those things come up out of the bottomless pit. Okay. It could be that group led by Apollyon. It could be the group that comes up out of the Euphrates River uh, when it dries up and there's angels chained in there that are going to be loosed and okay. that could be the battle. Uh, it might be that 200 million horsemen thing in the book of Revelation. But whatever it is, that's first. There's destruction that goes first through them. Then when the Lord comes back, he's got his army of angels. Okay. You know, Christ and his army, you know. So there's, and that's when he literally goes to meet the Antichrist in battle, you know, in Jerusalem. So this time of rest, Peter referred to as the time of restitution of all things. And the book of Joel calls it the same thing. God's going to restore the oil and the wine and the wheat and everything else. And it's during that time that um, the Gentile nations in the kingdom with Christ reigning from Jerusalem are going to bring their glory and honor to Israel. And Isaiah 61 says that Israel shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. In other words, they're going to bring their offerings, and they're going to bring God their best yeah. to Israel. And, and in their glory, you shall boast yourselves. In other words, they'll be, they'll be giving this glory and honor because Israel went out and preached to them. Mm-hmm. They're now priests, and they told them about the Lord, and the Gentiles believed, and they want to honor God. So they bring their offerings to Israel. And so all of that would seem to match. So if we go back and to, to close this, to wrap it up in Ezekiel 38, uh, verse 14, where we left off. Uh, Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, thus saith the Lord God, in that day when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, shalt thou not know it. After a thousand years, it's going to be well known. And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts. Thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. Not this army we just read in Joel, but another one of human beings yes. that Satan deceives to final. Because to, not everybody during that time of the thousand years wants Christ to be their king. Not everybody believes. Even though children will be living to be a hundred and humans to be a thousand. Holy moly. Because of the perfect world they have there. Yeah. They still would rather have a Satan as their God. When he's loosed. Oh, silly season. people. I know. So he says, um, many people, a great company, a mighty army, thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. And they're literally going to surround Jerusalem. And it shall be in the latter days. And I will bring thee against my land that the heathen may know me when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. Thus saith the Lord God, Art thou he of whom I have spoken in old time by my servants, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them? So many years seems to be a long time. Yes. And if he's spoken of in old time by my servants, the prophets, God was never mentioned before Ezekiel 38. But the entity that's in him was. Yeah. The serpent in the garden. He's been prophesied many, many years because he said, Thou shalt bruise his heel, he shall bruise thy head. Mm-hmm. So, the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ. Thus saith the Lord God, Art thou he of whom I have spoken in old time? Verse 18, It shall come to pass at the same time when God shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. 
so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground and I will call for a sword against them throughout all my mountains. Saith the Lord God, every man's sword shall be against his brother, meaning he's going to cause all that army to turn and attack each other. And they're going to fight each other. And that's happened before in the past. We can go back and look at examples of that. Where the huge army outnumbered Israel, and God said, Israel, don't worry, you got this. And they go to fight, and before they even lift up a finger, the huge army that was attacking them, they all attack each other. Oh, my goodness. And they wipe each other out. So God's going to do this, and then he's going to burn it up. Verse 22, and I will plead against him with pestilence, with blood, and I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations that they shall know that I am the Lord. Now, interestingly, in the next chapter, which we don't have time to get into, but we don't need to because that's the God that happens before the seven years of tribulation. Okay. And there's no mention of Israel being attacked because they were safe living without walls. Mm -hmm. It's just an attack. Yes. And then there's a reference to seven years, which can only match the seven years of tribulation. Very true. But this fire of hailstones and brimstone coming down would match that last battle. So for one more passage, we'll close with this. In Revelation 20, where we were, and we'll finish the story. we got to get to the end of the story, right? (laughs) So the devil's loosed a little season, right? Yes. And uh, he goes out to deceive the nation, or to uh, deceive the nations in the four quarters of the earth. He gathers them together to battle, verse 9. And they went up upon the breadth of the earth. That's how large it is. And they compassed the camp of the saints about. Compass means surround. And the camp of the saints and the beloved city. So it's Jerusalem. Yes. And I believe it's the time of the Feast of Tabernacles when all the Gentile nations that do fear God come to worship and bring their offerings. Mm-hmm. So they're all camping outside Jerusalem, yeah. all these people, believers. Oh. So they're sitting ducks again, yeah. right? And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The army. Oh, not the same. I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, wrong people. <laughs> Sorry, the way I interrupted that passage, I totally <laughs> threw Zena off. Um, yeah, I see what I did there. I messed you up. Uh, so it says that they surround them. They're about to attack. God delivers them. And incidentally, do you remember the story that the prophet Daniel had three friends that were thrown in a fiery furnace? Yeah, and they didn't end up dying. They didn't get burned at all. No. I believe that's a picture of this, you know, because okay. they threw three men in. And when Nebuchadnezzar looked in the furnace, he saw four men standing there. And he said one of them was like the son of God. Yes. So it was Jesus protecting it. Well, yeah. Jesus is going to be right here. That's so true. I would imagine that the whole earth is going to burn up with these hailstones and the brim and everything. Yeah. And the saints are sitting there going, cool. Like, wow, wow. those fireworks. And they're not even hot, you know? <laughs> uh, and then it says, the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And that'll be the final end of Satan. Yes. Yeah. You're done, so, Satan. Thank you, Ryan, for your insight into that. Uh, uh, Thank you, Lord, for revealing that to him. And then uh, finally, he says, I'll make my holy name known in the midst of my people, Israel, in Ezekiel 39. 
that right now they're not his people, you know, because he says, I'm waiting for them to make their confession. Yes. And he's hiding his face from them until they do. The first battle of Gog and Magog takes place in Ezekiel 39. And when he delivers them from that, it's not the end of humanity. It's just the end of that battle. And he says, from that point forward, they will know that I'm their God and that they will be my people. And he protects them from that point forward. Okay. So this... 38 was the battle that happens at the end of the thousand years, and now it makes sense why they were living safely without walls. Yes. So anyway, amazing. And um, we don't have time to go through any more of it because that was enough, I think, to make the point. But search it out yourself, folks. Search the scriptures and compare them and see if, in fact, this thing uh, measures out. But I think you're going to find it would explain the timing of things. And now there's really nothing holding back the first battle of Gog. Yes. If when it's going to happen could be any day. Mm-hmm. Now the people that think it's Russia right now and Putin, I think are probably off. Okay. But we have no idea what's about to happen. Very true. You know, it's so. a scary time right now. It is a scary time. All the more reason why we need the peace that passes all understanding. Yes. And that peace is only going to be found in the Prince of Peace which is Jesus Christ. So I hope he's your savior. And I thank you for listening today. And thank you, Zena. Thank you for having me. As always, we do appreciate you guys coming and listening to the podcast every week. Your support means so much to us. If you can do me a favor and like and share and subscribe, please leave a comment down below on something you would like us to talk about, as well as something that you've learned from our podcast. Amen. And just a heads up, we are going to be currently developing um, an app. Oh, yeah, it's going to be an app that'll probably be called Unlock the Bible Now. And you may have content in there that includes the podcast and our videos and things like that. So we're developing it now. It's going to take some time. It's weeks away, but I'll keep you posted on that. So keep your eyes out. Yes. And uh, the website will be utbnow.com as always, but we're probably going to revise that too to match the app. So um, yeah, look for good things to come. Yes, thank you guys. Thanks a lot. Take care. Have a great week. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.